Albert Einstein, Richard Branson, Bill Gates, John F. Kennedy, Tony Robbins, Michael Phelps, Will Smith. That sounds like a list of highly successful titans in a variety of industries. What else do they have in common? Well, they all have ADHD, but you don't hear much about that, do you? You know what you hear even less about? The successful women navigating ADHD. And that's exactly why I started this podcast, ADHD for Smartass Women. I'm your host, Tracy Otsuka. I'm an attorney, not a doctor, a lifelong student, not a coach. I'm also the creator of Cortography, a patent-pending system that helps people like you figure out what they should do with their life. And we're here today to talk ADHD, your superpowers, your symptoms, your workarounds, and how you proudly stand out instead of trying to fit in. I credit my ADHD for some of my greatest superpowers. And you know what? I spy a happier life for you too. So without further ado, a shiny new episode is starting now. Hello, I am Tracy Otsuka, and I wanted to welcome you to episode 26 of ADHD for Smartass Women. This week, what I'm going to do is I am going to give you my list of my favorite strength-focused ADHD resources slash books. If you listen to my first podcast, which I recorded back in October, I actually batched a group of four of them, but in true ADHD fashion, I didn't release the podcast until January. Um, anyway, you can see how far I've come in how I view ADHD. I have always been more interested in a strength-focused view of ADHD, but I have to tell you there are many more books that are more biology-based when they talk about ADHD, so ADHD is a disorder rather than a difference. So this is the list that I wish I had when I started, and it's all strength-focused. So if what you're looking to do is flip your own conversation on ADHD, if you currently see it as a disorder and you want to view it as a strength, I mean, I have to tell you, I wouldn't give up my ADHD for anything. I feel like it's responsible for every success I've ever had. I just learned how to manage it. So if you're looking to feel that way too, then this is the reading or audiobook list for you. The first book that I chose was Driven to Distraction, and these aren't so much in order of importance as they are in order of how I came to read them. So when I went to try to order them, it was a combination, and I I do believe that Driven to Distraction is a very good place to start, especially if you don't know what the symptoms of ADHD look like. And I feel grateful that it was one of the first books that I read. Now, I read it for my son. My son was diagnosed eight months before I was. And we were sitting in the psychologist's office because we were trying to get a handle and an understanding and trying to get some education around what ADHD even looks like. And one of the first things that flew out of the psychologist's mouth, who came highly referred, she's probably in her mid-60s, what she said to my husband and me is that our job as his parents was to reduce his expectations so he wouldn't be disappointed later in life. And I knew nothing about ADHD, but what I knew without a shadow of a doubt was she was wrong. And I knew she was wrong because I knew my son and I knew how smart my son was. And so it made no sense to me that we reduce his expectations. If anything, I don't care 
who your kid is, you increase their expectations of themselves, and then they're just always going to hit higher than if you reduce them, right? So anyway, the first book that I read was Driven to Distraction. It's by Edward Hallowell and John Rady. It's pretty much seen as the ADHD Bible, and I would say Edward Hallowell is probably the godfather of ADHD. This book was originally written in 1994. It was revised in 2011, but it's essentially the same book other than the new eight-page introduction. And if you've been following me for a while, you know that I really care about experts. I really care about the advice that experts give um, who have ADHD. And both Edward Hallowell and John Rady have ADHD. They are also both medical doctors. They are also both experts in ADHD. Now, when my son was diagnosed, I read a number of books, and I especially, I I seem to really like Russell Barkley. There's just something about the way he delivers information. He's very cut and dry. He's very matter of fact. He's funny, and it's this dry, sarcastic kind of wit. So I was really attracted to his style of teaching. I also watched a lot of his videos. He doesn't sugarcoat anything. He definitely subscribes to the pathology model of ADHD, but I'm really glad that I watched his videos and I read his books. The number one thing that he taught me was this whole idea of self-control, that self-control is not learned. And before listening to Russell Barkley, I thought it was. I thought that my daughter's ability to sit still, you know, through a two-hour meal, to say thank you, to say please, to sit still when we asked her to sit still, to basically her self-control, being able to, you know, lock herself in her bedroom for four hours in fifth grade to study. I thought that was all directly related to the fact that I was such a fantastic parent. My husband was such a fantastic parent. And that was far from true. What Russell Barkley taught me is this, self-control is not learned. It's part of every child's neurogenetic gift. So All these things that my daughter did so well that my son then ultimately struggled with, it had absolutely nothing to do with character or my fantastic parenting. Now, that doesn't mean that you cannot ultimately teach self-control, but you have to understand that kids with ADHD, they're already in the hole, right? It is just so much harder for them. And so because of that, We need to go easier on them, you know, demoralizing them, you know, telling them they're lazy, all of those things, they do absolutely no good. And so my mission has been to get this out into the world so that parents understand that this authoritarian model of parenting, this authoritarian model of teaching, it does not work for ADHD kids and it's cruel. Okay. So I am so grateful for Russell Barkley, but Russell Barkley you know, he really is all about ADHD as a disorder rather than ADHD as a difference. Now, Driven to Distraction was the first book that I read on ADHD that moved me from that, okay, well, what's wrong with my son model of ADHD to, okay, so that's why he does this and that's why he does that. Although my instinct was that ADHD is a difference because, again, I knew how smart my son was. They really helped to kind of hone that for me. I also really like stories and they help me to focus. They help me to pay attention more, probably because, you know, Edward Hallowell and John Rady have ADHD. They realize the value of a story um, in really hitting home an idea. They use a lot of them. So the book is built around case studies. It's built around stories. 
Now, every ADHD brain is also wired differently. So they use these case studies to give you a really good look into how differently ADHD can present in every individual. You know, while you're reading it, you're going to find yourself saying, oh my God, that's me. And oh, that's me. That's not me at all, but that's me. It really focuses on recognizing the signs of ADHD. And the signs are so much more that, you know, you can't sit still and you can't pay attention that we have all learned, right? So if you already know the signs of ADHD, this may not be the book for you. There's not a whole lot of strategies on how to navigate ADHD, but if you've never read anything about ADHD, it's a really good place to start. And certainly if you are feeling like, oh my gosh, I've got this horrible disorder and you want to flip that switch to, nope, ADHD is just a differently wired brain, I think that driven to distraction is the perfect place to start. Okay. So then we go on to book number two and it's by Tom Hartman. And it's called Adult ADHD, How to Succeed as a Hunter in a Farmer's World. And I have to tell you, this book completely reframed my thoughts around ADHD and moved it squarely from a pathologized disorder to a brain that just functions differently. So Tom Hartman was a psychotherapist and his son was diagnosed with ADHD. And he had the same experience that I had where he sat down with an ADHD expert and he was told, you've got to reduce your son's expectations. At the time, this was 30 years ago, everything he read about ADHD was also just so negative. And so Hartman instinctively knew that he needed a theory that was positive. He didn't care at the time if he was right or wrong, What he knew was that if his son thought he could, then he could. And if he was told he couldn't, then it would be a self-fulfilling prophecy. So anyway, he initially came up with this theory that ADHD is evolutionary and that we're just leftover hunters in a farmer world. What's interesting is as he was working with his son and as he was developing this theory, he came to discover that he also had ADHD. And, you know, since then, he's gone on to write, I don't know, 25 some odd books. He founded the Hunter School for, you know, kids who learn differently. I don't know if it's just ADHD kids or it's, you know, all kids who learn differently. And he has all these radio shows and television shows. He's actually quite fascinating. You can tell he totally has an ADHD brain. He's all over the place, but very, very bright. So anyway, Hartman believes that, you know, there's nothing wrong with being a farmer because they create and sustain stability. But there's also nothing wrong with being a hunter as hunters are creative, they're innovative, they're comfortable with change. You know, they're also constantly scanning their environment for food and they're scanning their environment for danger. What he did is he looked at hyperactivity, impulsivity, and inattention. Those are all signs of ADHD, right? And he cast them as strengths that hunters have. He also made a case for the fact that today's entrepreneurs are actually hunters. So that's where they went. Now, uh, this book was released in 1994. It was then updated in 2016. It was followed, though, in 2003 and updated in 2015 by my number three book pick, which is a book that is also by Hartman. And that book is called ADHD and the Edison Gene, A Drug-Free Approach to Managing the Unique Qualities of Your Child. So 
In this book, the hunter-farmer theory was further expanded to confirm the existence of an Edison gene, which was named after Thomas Edison. Now, Thomas Edison is arguably one of our most prolific inventors. And by the way, he was also kicked out of school several times before his mom realized his brilliance and decided to homeschool him. So Thomas Edison had ADHD. Now, Tom Hartman believes that all kids with ADHD have the Edison trait, but not all kids with the Edison trait have ADHD. There are similar symptoms, though. There's creativity, nonlinear thinking, impulsivity, risk-taking, distractibility, and inattentiveness, novelty-seeking. These are all signs of ADHD, right? And they're needed in our modern civilization. Now, these symptoms of ADHD can also be flipped. And they can be flipped into divergent thinking, high energy, entrepreneurialism, and fearlessness, among other things. In this book, Tom Hartman talks a lot about entrepreneurialism and how it's a near-perfect match for our ADHD brains. And I guess it's no surprise that most entrepreneurs also have ADHD. He also talks about the importance of environment, not only in our workplaces, but also our schools. You know, our modern public education, it's just not working for Edison trait children today. You know, we have this authoritarian model of thinking and education that we can demand or force kids to learn. And for those of us with ADHD especially, it just doesn't work. There are also multiple and different intelligences and different learning and teaching styles that are not addressed in our modern public education system. There are so many kids who completely fail in school. And so they believe that they're stupid and they can't learn, but the reality is that they can be highly successful in alternative education settings. You know, most schools have the goal of getting kids to conform. What they need to do instead is find teachers that know how to inspire. And this will benefit all kids, not just kids with ADHD, but it's imperative for kids with ADHD that they have that kind of education. You know, Hartman, he also has a great chapter in his book about Edison gene girls and women and a chapter on how Edison gene children will change the world. I just, I absolutely loved both of those Hartman books. Okay. So then we go on to book number four and book number four is called Spark, the revolutionary new science of exercise and the brain. And it's by John Rady who is a doctor, and he is also one of the authors of Driven to Distraction. Now, I love this book, and I think that everyone with ADHD should read it. Honestly, I think everyone should read this book, period, whether you have ADHD or you don't have ADHD. You know, it wasn't written specifically for those with ADHD, but it's mentioned throughout, probably because John Rady, who Again, you know, he co-authored Driven to Distraction. He has ADHD. And what Rady did is he started connecting exercise with a reduction in ADHD symptoms decades ago. So he had this world-renowned psychologist who, I think he was a friend of his. He was also a marathoner. And I guess he heard his name. And John Rady was at a cocktail party with him. And he came over to him and he said, you know what? I think I can't run. I've been depressed. And I think now I have ADHD. So John Rady treated him with medication and he got a lot better. 
However, when his knee healed, so he couldn't run, right, when his knee was all busted up. But when his knee healed, his ADHD symptoms then subsided and he got off of medication. So this psychologist, and this was a world-renowned psychologist, he didn't even know he had ADHD. He was fine as long as he could run. So basically, he was self-medicating with exercise. Then uh, John Rady, he talks about the school district in Naperville, Illinois, where they created a zero-period physical education program for kids that were struggling in reading and math. And what happened, you know, they did this for, I believe it was a good year. Um, and there apparently is something called the International Science and Math Test. And every country takes this test every three years. And usually it's the Asian countries and Finland that score in the top five. And we are, you know, the U.S. is usually in the mid-teens. Well, what happened with this school was they scored number one in science and number six in math once they implemented this zero-period physical education program that was right before the reading and math classes. Now, we know Finland is always in the top two to four in science and math. In Finland, in grade school and junior high school, every class is an hour, and that hour is comprised of 45 minutes of seat time, you know, school time, work time, 15 minutes of vigorous play. Of course, they also value their teachers tremendously there. So both of those things, I'm sure, factor into Finland's test scores. Exercise just makes our brains work better. It improves our ability to think and remember. It promotes learning. This is, you know, all in this book, Spark. When we exercise, we release a lot of neurotransmitters because we use a lot of our brain cells. We get more dopamine, norepinephrine, which is what ADHD meds do as well. So you're basically self-medicating with exercise. You can actually see a huge difference in the brain after you exercise versus before. It's literally like flipping a switch on. You turn on the prefrontal cortex, and that's the executive function area which is responsible for, it's like the CEO of our brain, right? It's responsible for planning and organizing. This is also where stimulants and antidepressants work. So it's exactly the area that you need to turn on for ADHD. With ADHD, we know that we can turn on motivation through interest, through fear, through challenging someone with ADHD, but now also through exercise. Rady also talks about in Spark what kinds of exercise are the best exercises for your brain. And that part is really fascinating. I highly recommend Spark. Okay, so let's go to number five. Number five is called the ADHD Advantage. What you thought was a diagnosis may be your greatest strength. And it's by Dale Archer, who's a psychiatrist. He's a New York Times bestselling author. He's a radio and TV personality. And he's the psychiatric medical director for Lake Charles Memorial Hospital. And guess what? Dale Archer also has ADHD. I love this book because it too talks about the strengths of those with an ADHD diagnosis rather than getting mired down in the pathology. As Dale Archer says, most of the most highly successful entrepreneurs, leaders, and entertainers have reached the pinnacle of their success, not in spite of their ADHD, but because of it. 
And although the ADHD stereotype is someone who can't sit still, in reality, people with ADHD, they are endlessly curious. I think curiosity is the number one trait. If I have to pick something that most of us with ADHD share, I would say it's curiosity. It's the interest that drives the curiosity. We're often adventurous, we're willing to take risks, and we are unusually resilient. We're creative, visionary, and entrepreneurial. And my favorite part of this book is that Dale Archer really helped me to develop my thoughts and beliefs around medication. So as you probably know, again, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, I really struggled with medication and so did my son. And in the back of my head, I kept thinking, well, maybe there's still another medication out there I should try. After reading this book, I'm glad that medication didn't work for me because it really forced me to look for and develop non-medication options for coping with my ADHD, not only for myself, but of course, also for my son. And I learned that there are so many things that you can do if medication doesn't work. And I will tell you for 30% of us, it doesn't. Well, for 20% of us, it just really doesn't at all. And then for that other 10%, the symptoms are just so great that You just can't get the medication high enough in order to take care of the symptoms. Um, So it just, it doesn't make sense for us. Again, I am not against medication. I have seen situations where medication has literally been life-changing for someone with ADHD. My symptoms, however, didn't get really bad until my mid-40s. So I had already developed a lot of workarounds. I just always wondered why I had to do things differently, why I couldn't do things the way everybody else did them. That said, I do believe that many of our struggles are environmental. I think it's the wrong job. It's the wrong school. It's the wrong relationship. So, you know, it's not as much about fixing yourself and trying to fit in. It's much more about figuring out, okay, where do I stand out and where are my strengths? I also believe that medication should not be the first line of defense. And I share this with Dale Archer. You know, it is the easiest way, right? I mean, we're struggling with something and here's a pill. I mean, we've kind of become this society that everything that happens, the answer is a pill. Problem is it's still medication and it usually has side effects. And I think that if we can have success without medication or if we can take less medication and have success with things that are not medication, we should absolutely employ them. We should figure out what works for our brains. Unfortunately, it is most of our experiences that when we're diagnosed, the only thing we're handed is a prescription. No one ever suggested anything else for me. No one else ever suggested anything for my son. I also question Why do we have to medicate ourselves to fit into this neurotypical box? And I think the more we try to fit in, the greater our struggles become. Because again, I believe that when we can figure out where we can stand out, it just makes for a happier life. Ultimately, we're not meant to fit in and we're not happy when we try to fit in. And Dale Archer's book really drove that home for me. Okay, so my number six pick is a book by Lara Hannes-Webb. She has a PhD. She's an expert in ADHD. And the book she wrote is The Gift of Adult ADD, How to Transform Your Challenges and Build on Your Strengths. And we know this book was written um, a bit ago because she uses the term ADD instead of ADHD. Now, I actually talked to Lara when I was first diagnosed. She was absolutely lovely. Lara also has ADHD. And the reason I called her was that I had just read an article that she had written about the connection between ADHD and the gift of interpersonal intuition. 
Now, before that, I was constantly questioning, do I really have ADHD? I mean, I had the symptoms since childhood, but I did well in school. I had multiple degrees. I was successful in my work. I had married the right guy, but I always felt like I just did things differently, right? And one of the areas, so when I found out that hyperactivity was a form of drivenness, that sort of clinched it for me. And then right after that, I read Lara Hannes's article about the gift of interpersonal intuition and how she tied it to ADHD. And this was the one thing that always got me. Like I always felt like when I would walk into a room, I could read the room. I could feel, nobody had to say anything. I could feel what was going on. And I started to ignore my intuition. And the reason I ignored my intuition is because I saw these things that other people either didn't want me to see or didn't see in themselves or anything else that was going on, I started to ignore that because every time I brought it up to these people, they would discount it. Oh no, that's not what it is. And once I read that article, it really helped me to start to trust my intuition more. I guess because I didn't struggle like most of the people struggled in the stories I read, you know, I was never sure. And if it weren't for my son, I'm sure I would have never, ever thought about ADHD. Lara Hannes's linking ADHD with this gift of interpersonal intuition really clinched it for me. And it explained a part of myself, again, that I always knew existed, but I had downplayed. I had stopped trusting because more often than not, when I mentioned what I felt, people would tell me, oh, that's not what's going on. So beyond being able to walk into a room and being able to read people, what is the definition of interpersonal intuition? First of all, many of us with ADHD have this, and it's an intuitive grasp about whether... It's an intuitive grasp of what others need, feel, and want. Underlying these symptoms is this ability to read others like a book. Because we have this ability to tune into other people on a deep level, we often dismiss their words completely. Remember, our brains focus on the connections and relationships between things more than on specific bits of information. And then, of course, when you share your impressions with others, they tell you that you're wrong. When you're constantly told that you're wrong, you start to think that you're just imagining things. But in the back of your mind, you're always thinking, you know what? I just know I'm right. And then months or years later, something happens and whatever you were discussing plays out and you realize you were right all along. And this is because we see things that others either want to hide or they can't see themselves. And I don't know if you've ever felt like you know someone better than they know themselves. This is frankly why you find many therapists who have ADHD. And I just found that discovering that link between interpersonal intuition and ADHD, it's also when I stopped trying so hard to make myself understood. I stopped having to explain myself in letters and emails, and I just let it all go. I realized that I was upset because I could read their underlying motivations, but they were A, never going to admit that to me, or B, they couldn't see it in themselves, so it never ultimately resolved anything. So that book really changed my understanding of myself. Okay, so let's move on to book number seven. This book is by Kathleen Nadeau, Ellen Littman, and Patricia Quinn, and it's called Understanding Girls with ADHD, How They Feel and Why They Do What They Do. Now, 
Nadeau, Lippmann, and Quinn have ADHD. So check, right? This book was initially published in 1999. The second edition was released in 2015. And this was the first book that illuminated the complexity of ADHD in girls and women in multiple domains of life, whether we're talking home, school, the workplace, or relationships. So prior to this, all information and testing was on preteen boys. And the assumption was that ADHD looked the same in girls. This book clearly explains and identifies the significant differences of how and when ADHD presents in girls. You know, even today, studies show that teachers are much more likely to identify male students as having ADHD because they're more disruptive in class. And what's even more disconcerting is a recent study that found that teachers and parents were more likely to refer boys with ADHD for services even when they exhibited identical behaviors as girls. People just don't see ADHD as readily in girls as they do in boys. And teachers often don't even realize that hyperchatting, well, teachers and parents, right? They don't realize that hyperchatting is blurting out answers without raising your hand, social withdrawal, a tendency to miss or misunderstand directions, messiness, disorganization, test anxiety, later missing assignments, forgetfulness, even a hyperfocus on schoolwork may signal a girl with ADHD who is trying to compensate for her difficulties. They just don't realize the symptoms of ADHD in girls. Teachers are also less likely to refer these girls for ADHD services because they're not disruptive. And so the only one who suffers is the girls themselves. Mothers also tend to see these symptoms in girls more than the teachers do, because girls obviously, while well, kids, right, generally, they try harder to conform at school, you know, than they do at home, but they are then often blamed. So the mothers are blamed for the behavior because the behaviors are not observed at school. This book also goes into executive function deficits in girls. It goes into the comorbid, I hate that word, I know, the comorbid disorders that are often seen with girls who have ADHD. It talks about medication in girls. It talks about eating disorders. So girls with ADHD, you probably remember this from my podcast on ADHD and weight. Girls with ADHD, they're almost four times as likely to develop an eating disorder than girls without ADHD. Now, this I think is probably the best part of the book. So when you're tested for ADHD, a rating scale is used. And these are questionnaires and checklists that ask about symptoms that are found in the DSM-5. And typically, these rating scales are only completed by parents and teachers. Self-reporting, however, is critical for girls because for most girls, ADHD is an internalized problem, right? It's not easily observed by others you know, it's not like the hyperactive boy who's climbing the walls and refusing to do what he's told. You can see that. With girls, because ADHD is so internalized, we have to ask these girls directly about their symptoms because if we don't, they're likely not to be observed or discovered. And so in Understanding Girls with ADHD, the authors provide a self reporting scale that these girls can use on their own. And I think that is so incredibly important. Okay, so let's move on to my pick number eight, which is by Lucy Joe Palladino. 
She also has a PhD. She's an expert in ADHD as well. And the book is called Dreamers, Discoverers, and Dynamos, How to Help the Child Who is Bright, Bored, and Having Problems in School. It was written in 1999, so it was written a while ago, but I have to tell you, it is still so relevant. And this book helped me tremendously with my son. You know, I was just talking about Tom Hartman and the Edison trait or gene. Now, I'm not sure who used the term first, but psychologists Dr. Palladino and Hartman, they are friends. Palladino uses the term Edison trait children, named after Thomas Edison, remember he flunked out of school twice, to describe kids who possess ADHD and have neurology that's wired to give them brilliant success as artists, innovators, inventors, explorers, and entrepreneurs. These are the kids who are very bright, intensely imaginative, and completely free-spirited. They are hard to control. They are not linear thinkers. They are not the kind of kids who are going to be focusing on one issue at a time. And we know that is the kind of thinking that's rewarded in school, right? These Edison trait kids, they think divergently. They are nonlinear thinkers. They think of many things all at the same time. And I often say that it's the ADHD kids that fall through the cracks. You know, they are the smart ones. They are consistently inconsistent. They get A's and then they get an F all in the same class for not turning things in on time, for forgetting what they're working on, for a lack of interest. And teachers and parents automatically assume that they must be lazy because clearly they are capable when they quote unquote want to do it, they can. And these teachers and parents, this is why, you know, I just thought what Barclay taught me was so important. Teachers and parents believe that willpower and self-control is learned when, in fact, it's not. It is part of our neurogenetic gifts. It is biology. And these are the kids, often the smart kids, you know, with ADHD, the smart kids with the Edison trait. It's these kids who often don't develop to their potential. They know that they're smart, but they can't perform consistently, and they don't know why that is. This book is for those kids, and it's for the parents of those kids who know that trying to get their kids to conform and fit in is not what is in their best interest. It's for parents who want their kids to live to their full potential. It's not just for kids with ADHD, though. You know, I often say that what you do for an ADHD child to help them learn better, hell, that's good for all children to learn better. Teachers who are interested, who are interesting, who care personally, who don't teach using an old authoritarian model, that works best for all kids. Anyway, so Dr. Palladino gives you an understanding of how the Edison trait kids' minds work, right? How does that ADHD kids' minds work? Then she shares eight steps to help your Edison trait child. She also gives you resources around ADHD, around testing, schools, and medication. I get so frustrated with how we've pathologized all kinds of different ways of learning, but especially ADHD. You know, in order for my very bright son to get his school to teach to the way he best learns, he must first state that he's disabled. And there you have your 504 plans. All we do is focus on the weaknesses. What I know is that positive emotion triggers dopamine, which in turn motivates us, and negative emotion just begets more negative emotion. If you are always focusing on the weaknesses and not also focusing on the strengths, you are just not going to move forward with these ADHD Edison kids at all. This is what Dr. Palladino says, and I just absolutely love this quote. We have coined plenty of words to describe what is wrong with our children. We need words to describe what is right. 
We call Edison trait children inattentive. Are they inattentive or are they attentive to what is important to them and not us? Okay, so now I'm going to give you number nine by Lynn Weiss, also a doctor, has a PhD, and it's called The New Attention Deficit Disorder in Adults Workbook. And I just love this workbook. It is really the only workbook that I found on ADHD that I think is really outstanding. Um, and I also think it's written for the ADHD brain. So many of these workbooks, I look at them and there's all this type and it's all scrunched together. And in order for something to work for me, even though I don't have a linear brain, I need it to be super linear, super clean, super focused. Otherwise, I'm just distracted with all the type written all over the page, right? And this book does that. So it's an older book as well. It was written in 2005, but I think it's fantastic. And I read um, Dr. Weiss's introduction and I felt like I had written it. Everything I believe and have said and have written is right there and it's set out so clearly. I just right away bonded with where she comes from and that made it, as far as where her thought is coming from on ADHD as a difference and not a disorder. And so that made it so much easier for me to just buy into everything else she was saying um, as far as how she laid out her workbook. I hope that makes sense. So she's totally all about strength-based versus disorder-based. She's all about, you know, that we have a different brain style and we're nonlinear versus linear. It's just a really practical workbook. And so this is what she does. Each section gives you a problem, the reason why you're having the problem, and what you face because of the problem. Then you're supposed to state your goal. She tells you what the pitfalls are as far as don't fall into these pitfalls. This is what not to do. And then she gives you a worksheet around the problem, including a commitment that you are going to make in solving the problem. Finally, she gives you an explanation of why this commitment may be difficult. So let me give you some examples. So she has sections on struggling with clutter, on managing paper at work, on writing a report, on procrastinating and just starting, on showing up on time, on tuning out, on anchoring your drifting mind, on blurting things out. There are also a lot of problems that are around emotional dysregulation as well. Things like having a temper outburst or responding, how to respond to disrespect or catching other people's feelings, that interpersonal intuition that I was talking about. Um, taking things personally, being overwhelmed. This is totally written for the ADHD mind. It's linear, it's simple, it's specific, it's actionable. This is the problem. This is why you have the problem. And here's the solution. And here's a worksheet to help you make it happen. I just, I absolutely love this book. And I think everybody with ADHD who is struggling, it's just the perfect place to start. Okay. Number 10, we have The Power of Different, The Link Between Disorder and Genius, and it's by Dr. Gail Saltz. Now, this is probably an odd choice given that it's really not about ADHD. There is a section on ADHD, but this book is really about overall brain differences and creativity, and I just loved this book. I probably purchased 10 copies of it just to give to people because I learned so much from it. So what Dr. Saltz does in this book, The Power of Different, is she looks at learning differences like dyslexia, like distractibility found in ADHD, right? Like anxiety, like depression. Well, 
those aren't learning differences. So the learning differences are dyslexia, distractibility. But then she looks at brain differences like anxiety, depression, bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, and autism, all conditions that are commonly thought to be disabilities. And she shows how these areas that we struggle in are actually also responsible for our greatest strengths. Ultimately, she also shows us how these conditions that cause us to struggle in school and in social situations, maybe at home and at work, are also really bound to creative, artistic, empathetic, and cognitive abilities. When I first heard of conditions like bipolar disorder or schizophrenia, they scared me. But this book has taught me so much. And the most vivid story is of Ellen Sachs, who it's a story in the book that um, Dr. Sachs writes about. And it's about Ellen Sachs. And I don't know if she is, I just realized that the name's the same. I don't know if she's related. Let me see. No, it's different. So it's Gail Saltz, and this is Ellen Sachs. So it's a story of Ellen Sachs, who is schizophrenic, and she is also a professor at USC, the Gould School of Law. She writes extensively in the areas of law and mental health, and she's published five books and more than 50 articles on this subject. She also founded the Sachs Institute of Mental Health, Law, Policy, and Ethics, which works towards the improved treatment of people with mental illness. She works tirelessly to destigmatize mental illness, and prior to writing her memoir in 2007, Few people even knew that she suffered from schizophrenia. She's also happily married and has many friends. Can you imagine having schizophrenia and learning about someone who has what you have, who has such a rich and profound life? We need to hear more stories like this. All of our brains are wired differently, and we all have profound gifts that are needed in this world. And that is the message of her book, which I absolutely loved. So that's what I have for you this week. I apologize that it's a bit long, but I really wanted to share this list with you. Again, if you really want to reframe your ADHD, if you want to go from that disordered model to that difference model, if you want to focus on your strengths, this is absolutely where you should and need to start. Okay. Anyway, as always, you are listening to ADHD for Smartass Women. If you have been listening to me for a while, I would really appreciate a review. It is not hard to do. You don't even have to write anything. If you're on iTunes podcast platform, all you do is scroll down to the bottom and click on the stars. That's all you have to do. And it means so much to me in this podcast. If you'd like to know more about me, our patent pending cartography system that teaches you how to figure out which of the many interests that you have is the one that you should pursue. Or if you have a comment, a guest you'd like me to interview, or a topic idea for this podcast, go to my website at tracyoutsuka.com. You can click on podcast in the navigation bar. You're going to see a microphone to your right where you can leave me an audio message. You can also reach out to me at tracy at tracyoutsuka.com. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you here next week. You've been listening to the ADHD for Smartass Women podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Otsuka, and we're available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Play. If you liked what you heard, we sure would appreciate a review. And not coincidentally, ADHD for Smartass Women, well, that's also the name of our free Facebook group. 
go look it up. We're a totally smart-ass community of successful, ambitious women who share our ADHD wins, questions, and workarounds. We'd love to have you join us. You can also find all my details over at tracyoutsuka.com. Don't forget, I spy a happier life for us, and I'll see you again next week.